No. Uh, Warm-ups, not really, but when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I care to expand on that. I just woke up feeling real dangerous. <laughs>
he's kind of been screwed over a bit. Some and, and in some respects, he just hasn't really been a fit anywhere necessarily. So I mean, he was finally, I guess, settling into the will. But obviously, it's a really tough break for him. But you know, a guy like Deshaun White, really talented, should probably be at the mic instead of the will. Honestly, should probably see Kenneth Murray over at the will. But at least you have the two best linebackers and the most yep. natural linebackers on the field at the same time. So I guess there's that. What do you think, Steven? Yeah, I think in a way, oh, you kind of looked out, lucked out because of uh, you don't have to make a decision now between exactly. Caleb Kelly and Deshaun White. Uh, and Deshaun White, it, it just makes more sense because of his lateral speed. Um, unfortunately, you lose Caleb Kelly, who's a guy that really played well at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, had that and, scoop and score against uh, West I think Virginia, it maybe I guess. a bigger impact is Jordan Kelly, who I thought kind of thought just because of his range, like how he was going to play. Is, yeah. yeah, I thought he was going to do pretty good in the system. Yep. And this leaves me up to think, you know, Caleb Kelly, because it's a torn ACL. I mean, let's not kid ourselves what this is, and he he'd be stupid to try to play November in late October. And so the thing is here is he's likely going to red shirt. It would be the smartest decision or does he red shirt? And then if he does red shirt, let's say he does, should he stay at a university where the defensive staff, like you said, Jack has kind of failed him as far as keeping him on the field and finding places for him to, to thrive uh, positionally, or should he transfer maybe to like a school that has a pure Sam linebacker spot that is going to make his draft stock go up because he was going to obviously come out of the draft this year and he was hoping for a big year. And, of course, that's not the not the case. You would think that the Big Ten or the SEC would be a better fit for the guy. I mean, I, you know, it is a new staff here who seems more, you know, content with keeping him at one spot. So they weren't going to fail him in that respect, but I just don't know if the Big 12 is the right place for him, having him cover out in space and stuff like that. I, I just don't. He should play Sam somewhere, like you were saying. But, I mean, when he was playing Sam at Oklahoma, he was, you know, having some serious matchup issues out there. So maybe going to the Big Ten or the SEC or maybe certain Pac-12 schools. I mean, obviously closer to home, that would maybe help him out a little bit. That would surprise me. What do you think? Yeah, I think it depends on what his goals are because I think you can can go into the transfer portal and kind of see what your options are. Yeah. And, you know, if there's not a school there that's going to put you in the NFL, you can just come back. Yeah, like A.D. Miller did. Well, he wasn't. <laughs> I don't can, think he ever do an choice, AD but Miller, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I don't think it's beyond any of us to say that he would redshirt and then transfer because, like his natural position would would be from his freshman year. We saw it was a Sam he played really well, especially when Ruffin kept him on the field the last half of the season when they played just straight up four three or three four. He was playing the Sam, the strong side backer. And he made plays and several plays. And in an Alex Grinch defense, the same is not non-existent, but it's definitely not prevalent. You don't see it that often. I mean, you're going to see their 4-2-5, basically. They're going to be in a nickel a lot. And in I, it makes sense for him to go somewhere else like the Big Ten. Maybe the, the SEC, he's had shoulder issues. Uh, not that would that would change anything in the Big Ten, but I could easily see him going somewhere else. Like maybe up north um but we'll see uh it's really unfortunate for him jordan kelly he was going to participate he was going to be in the depth he was going to be in the rotation and that really sucks for him and of course he's younger so he can 
he, I think he already registered though, didn't he? He did, yeah, he registered last so, year. I mean, he'll be a, he was going to be a piece this year, but of course you can't see that. But a piece you will see uh, is Ronnie Perkins. He was, you know, freshman All-American honors. He's actually been rotating in with Kenneth Mann. A there's been a reverse in course as far as practice is concerned. Notes out of camp, right? That he was speed, defensive end, rush edge, you know, hand in the dirt, standing up outside. And now they, in the name of getting more speed on the field, to be honest, which makes sense, it follows that moniker of speed D. He's rotating in with Kenneth Mann. So Mark Jackson, which is a name that we haven't heard in a while, since the beginning of last season. Uh, Nick Benito, Jakari Daly, and now apparently Ryan Jones working at uh, speed jackbacker, which rushbacker, whatever you want to call that guy. Now they're working at that position to get more speed on the field. What are you guys' thoughts first on Perkins rotating in with man, and then who's probably the best fit at jackbacker for Oklahoma? Uh, I, th- I think Ronnie Perkins will probably end up in the same position. You know, like spring is just a thing where you just experiment. Yeah. Right? You're just looking for the best fit. Uh, Beatenbow does it. There's other guys that do it. So I think he'll end up saying at the will or the the weak side defensive end, and then man at the strong side, and he'll probably switch out with someone that we'll talk about later. Um, but as far as the jackbacker, I'm a big fan of Nick Benito and the speed he brings on the edge. I know he's probably not there physically, um, but if you go a whole summer, maybe you can get there. I mean, obviously you've seen a lot of Mark Jackson, and yeah. it's pretty evident that Mark Jackson has a ceiling. So I mean, he's yeah. not someone who's going to make a. Is it his an, size? Oh, I mean, it could be. I mean, he's not the most agile guy either. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's. I think you really just have to hope for Jalen Redmond to be okay. I mean, honestly. And that's, oh gosh, that's. I mean, like, who the hell knows either? I mean, the you, more I they read can say that he's it. progressing all they want, but yeah. he could have a setback tomorrow. I mean, it. it you never know. Because Lincoln's always going to say, "Oh yeah, his rehab's going well," and but like the more you check the back channels, like what's going on, or the more you read up about the new reports coming out about him. Yo, yeah, he's practicing. Just with Benny Wiley, though, he's lifting weights and doing all the conditioning and all the weightlifting. Um, he's not doing anything else with the team. So it's like, if it's if it's July and he's still not participating with the team as far as like what they're actually doing instead of just workouts, he's never gonna play down at Oklahoma. I I I, I mean, I would at that point I would. Bet against it. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And then Mark Jackson, wasn't he an Army All-American? He was up there. I mean, he was a solid four-star recruit. I mean, he was... At a Cibolo. And then he's just... His body composition to me is first awkward. He's a little bit small. Um, and then Nick Benito, I like what he brings. Jakari Daly out of Florida, I like what he brings. Um, it wouldn't at all surprise me, because like Steven said... I'm dead set on Ronnie Perkins at speed, linebacker speed end, rush end, whatever it is. Uh, I'm all about that. But at the same time, you know, they're trying to get more speed on the field, so we'll see what happens. Do you think it's possible that, let's say, they go with Jakari Daly or Nick Benito or Ryan Jones or whoever it is at rush end or Jack Backer, do you think it's possible that Ronnie Perkins ends up replacing Kenneth Mann in his starting spot. 
I'd say there's a chance. Yeah, I mean, obviously he has the higher upside than Kenneth Mann. Kenneth Mann, I mean, he's he's proven to be serviceable. I mean, he's not a superstar or anything like that. I think Ronnie Perkins would eventually win the job over a guy like Kenneth Mann. But at the same time, you'd probably like to have both of them on the field, wouldn't you? If possible. Yeah. I have mixed emotions about it. What do you What do you think? Yeah, I think Mann's probably the guy on the the strong side, but he's only going to give you so many snaps before yeah. he starts to wear down. He's just he's not. I mean, he's strong, but he's not a big guy. He's like two sixty five. You don't you run that guy that guy uh, all game long. So you'll probably see him like move in with Stokes. Yep. With yeah. uh, Perkins on the other edge, and that wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, Kenneth Mann to me, he's just he's not built for the kind of defense that they're trying to run. He's just a smaller guy. He doesn't have as much uh, oomph to him as far as the other guys, like Ronnie Perkins. He's, yeah. you can, you, if you had Ronnie Perkins and a healthy Jalen Redmond, we wouldn't be having these conversations. Yeah, They'd start opposite of each other. It's easy. But because of Jalen Redmond's health and because of Addison Gums leaving and what's another casualty on the defensive end kind of situation I mean, there's just Ron Tatum's gone yeah uh, just like a lot of guys have gone and it's just yeah, it's frustrating but I wouldn't be surprised if we see Ronnie Perkins and Kenneth Mann on the field at the same time but I don't see how you would replace a captain yeah Kenneth Mann's a captain um so we'll see what happens I mean again it's spring practice Spring game, I don't even know what's going to happen. They haven't released rosters, and it looks like they're not going to release like anything until the game starts, which is annoying, but yeah. whatever. The scheme and personnel, which is really clear on the defensive front, isn't even close to solidified. Like The defense in general, besides probably Trey Brown and Parnell Motley, their spots, I think, are safe. But the others on the entire defense, the reason why Alex Grinch says the defense sucks all the time... <laughs> I think it's because it's not even close to being solidified. And Probably won't be until issue. after the Texas game. I mean, the way I mean, if you think about after it, after they lose to Texas, that's when they make all the adjustments. They're yeah. like, "Oh, they lost to Texas. Let's now make all the changes we should have made." It seems like those changes are made at that point, regardless of which team wins the game. Though True. it seems like that's True. always the turning True. point. Seems to me, especially. And I think we mentioned line. that last week as well. Especially the offensive line. It's like, hey, yeah, they suck. Let's change something. Oh my god, it works. That's weird. <laughs> Does that? Do you think that spurns from Bob Stoops? I think a little bit. Yeah, because Biedenboe was under Stoops. He's the guy that brought him in. Yeah, because so. Stoops would always lean on experience over talent. That's right. true. Yeah, I mean, you saw Jonathan Alvarez playing at center last year. Granted, that's yeah. a that's a position where you need a lot of experience. But Alvarez, I mean, he was. He's been banged up. Yeah. I mean, he was, you know, on the verge of retiring from football. God. I mean, it was uh, that was an odd deal. But at the same time, I think it was pretty apparent that experience was uh, something that he favored. So It's just frustrating that and it, that's what Stoops did. And he was like, oh, yeah, let's go over experience over talent. So that's why you saw a lot of things happen the way they did, on, especially on defense. Offense, not so much. But defense, like, yeah, they're experienced. Let's. They're the same guys out there that are in, like, the last half of the Big 12. So, I don't know. Somebody that's not experienced in Oklahoma's scheme, but Riley says they're picking it up really well, is LeRon Stokes from NEO. He's going to get playing time. Uh, Lincoln Riley says this guy's picking it up everything really, really quick. 
and he will be he will be seeing significant snaps in the fall. Does that say anything about him or the amount of talent that OU has in his front seven, or probably somewhere in between? Probably a little bit of both, because I mean he's a grown ass man. I mean he's a physically ready individual. You know he's really you know he's from a physical standpoint. I mean he's probably as impressive as anyone on the defense, at least on the defensive line, other than maybe Ronnie Perkins, you would think. But uh. You know, he's – I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe doesn't start, but he'll probably play quite a bit. I would imagine they rotate a ton defensively, especially up front this year. Especially so, the first three games. So he's going to have his chance to make a statement, and someone who is as a – he's got an enormous upside. So, I mean, I would think that hopefully he would assert himself, but apparently he's doing it in practice. So yep. I guess signs are good. What do you think, Steven? What do you think about Laurent Stokes – yeah, I don't want to be that guy that just says you need your homegrown talent. But, uh, you know, Laurent Sooks, he grew up an OU guy. Uh, he went to NEO. He wanted the scholarship. I mean, I think they offered him, and he committed within, what was it, like maybe a week? Yeah. Two yeah. weeks, something like that? It's close. So he definitely wants to be there. He has that uh, that motivation. But, uh, I mean, he's got the physical frame. He's like a, a big Kenneth man. Like, he's, he's got the motor. Oh, so he's better. Uh, we'll see who starts around <laughs> October. Who, who was it? Austin... He was the guy that came in just the other year, and he was a JUCO kid, and he ended up getting Austin Roberts. Was it Austin Roberts? Yeah, and he was he from NEO, up, wasn't he? And he ended up being so. yeah. better than what they had previously. Yes, I mean NEO just had, he has some yeah. really good talent. Yeah, yeah, NEO. You know, they don't produce as much as they used to. Like back in the day, they I think they gave OU Remy Iadell back in the day, who was pretty mm-hmm. damn good. Ended up being part of Bounty Gate with New Orleans, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, they've been churning out quality defensive linemen and defensive ends for, you know, a few decades yeah. now. So, I mean, yeah, it's definitely a good proving ground. Yeah. And so another guy that's going to get playing time in, in practice reports and any other back channels we check, it's you hear everything a lot about Trey Norwood. And Trey Norwood is running with the ones everywhere, whether it's nickels, cornerbacks, or safeties. And he is going to start somewhere in the secondary. I, d- I don't know where, but he will start. Like It seems like they're going to make sure he starts, which is weird to me. Steven is shaking his head. Why are you shaking your head? It's just sad. It's just sad. <laughs> Especially after, like, when you see what he's done the past two years, it's just like, how is this guy? He doesn't seem physically capable of getting the right. job done in many instances. He, I mean, he looks like he's in high school still. Yeah. But I, I'm sure like he's, he's putting a lot of uh, work in the weight room this offseason. And Norwood's obvious. I mean, he's a guy that tests well. Like We've always seen guys that test well. Neville yep. Gallimore tests well. Yeah. And then when the season comes around, they just always seem to disappear. Well, according to Kerry Cooks, who is now at Texas <laughs> Tech, he was the technician of the group that was always technically sound. What the fuck does that? I, I, I mean. Which, in this secondary, that doesn't mean a It means bunch. absolutely nothing. That was one of the, the last two years, you mean, you saw one of the worst defenses in the country. Plenty of lapses in the secondary. I mean, I, I mean what weight does that hold? I mean. It doesn't. And, and I think it's really funny that you mentioned how big he is, like, as a high schooler. Dakota Austin started for <laughs> Oklahoma at one point. There it is. And I, I, I was going through my pictures on my, on my iPhone my iPhone, and I came across some screenshots that I totally forgot about, and they were Dakota Austin screenshots. This is, and I'll never forget, 
It was after, it was the summer of after he started, Zach Sanchez went down at the Texas Tech game, and he started for like three games, and people were like, hey, Dakota Austin's good. I was like, no, no, he's not. It's, it's fake. And here's some tweets that I retweeted, so like I would never lose them. It says, I'm going to be the best in the country next year, and people are going to act shocked. People favorite thing to say going to be, he came out of nowhere. <laughs> I remember him tackling the wrong guy against Houston. Oh, my God. That's that was with the ball. Yeah, that I was, don't know. Kenneth Murray does it all the time. It's okay. <laughs> that was the perfect metaphor for his uh, 2017 season. Gosh. I think but, it ended right there, though. That was like the end of his 2017 season. I think Parrish Cobb, yeah, Parrish Cobb took over for him after that. And yeah. before he stole everything. Yeah, before he stole <laughs> Parrish Cobb. Parrish Cobb stole his job. There you go. What was the rotation like that year? It was Dakota Mekhi Austin. Quick was a big part of it. Then, then he got hurt. Parrish Cobb. Mekhi Quick. Then he got then hurt. Then it was Jordan Parker. And then Jordan Parker. He got hurt. And then he got hurt, yeah. right? So then who was it after that? Well, Parker got hurt in the offseason after that. He finished oh, out Parker the season. Yeah, the season? Parker finished the season, yeah. I I freaking lose, I lost track of how many guys started that year. Yeah. And then, gosh. And Piemont redshirted, That's or right. did he? No, he didn't redshirt. He just didn't get to play uh, right. in the secondary. He played a bunch on special teams, I think. But he wasn't. I can't. I'm. It's kind of hard to believe that he wasn't one of the guys who got a shot there that year, considering the carousel that was there yeah, at that point. Yeah, odd. That goes back to Kerry Cooks. There you go. I mean, when Oklahoma plays Texas Tech, at least they know Jalen Hurts. If the narrative is he can't throw the ball, it'll be fine against Texas Tech. So there's there's that's good. But yeah. Um Norwood is gonna play somewhere. And he's gonna start he's gonna start somewhere. He's, I don't know if it's gonna be safety, maybe nickel, corner, I don't know. Something that's been really making me really pissed off is honestly is Deshaun White. So this is not what's pissing me off. Deshaun White elevated to the will. Uh, since Caleb Kelly's injury, Kenneth Murray playing the mic. I hate all of that with every fiber in my body because Kenneth Murray's natural position is the will. Outside backer. Or, well, somewhat, you know, outside. He's weak side. And Deshaun White's natural position is inside at the mic. So it does not make sense to have the instincts coached out of Deshaun White to play Will and to have Kenneth Murray play inside. So what does this say about maybe what's happening at linebacker right now, what Coach Brian Odom is seeing, um, their talent? What does it say, or just about the linebacker depth in general, what does it say about all that? Well, I think depth is the issue there. I think because you look like Ryan Jones just moved to the Will. And he was an outside backer. So, I mean, he's now the immediate backup to Deshaun White. And then Levi Draper's the immediate backup to uh, Kenneth Murray. But um, I think in the system, you can kind of get away with it. I've kind of just watching a film. They kind of shuttle the run towards the strong side every time. So it's one of those things where do you want Kenneth Murray's big body in there or do you want Deshaun White kind of in coverage? Deshaun White moves better laterally too. So, I mean, there's, there's that as well. Still pisses me off. Yeah. <laughs> because we've seen so many times, right, that Kenneth Murray going into from freshman year into sophomore year, oh, I was really upset about the Georgia game because he missed so many gaps and yada yada. 
He's watching a lot of tapes, watching a lot of film. Oh, he's always in the film room. He's the best film freaking watcher we have on the damn team in the past 20 years. But he still can't diagnose plays well. Still has no clue where the ball is sometimes. And it's like, like, is his physical appearance like probably one of the best physiques you've seen at a linebacker? Linebacker. He's Oklahoma. impressive. Yeah, I mean, yeah. let that guy run downhill. I He's mean, a physical specimen. Yeah, that's one hundred percent. Like Curtis Lofton. Yeah, probably. like oh, that guy's yeah. like impressive as hell. Like literally, looks like he. It's just, it's it's unreal, and it looks like you know, like one of those Mister Universe guys that like just completely like really top heavy, but his freaking hamstrings are as big as horse legs. Like. It's stupid. But he has not shown the ability to diagnose plays still. And he's going into his junior year, and he's hoping to come out this year. He's hoping to have a big year in Alex Grinch's first year and in the system to go to the draft. He still can't diagnose plays that well his first two years because it's not his natural position. And then Deshaun White, it is his natural position. He finds the ball instinctually. He has an easier time finding the ball, but you're going to play him at the will. Now, do you think it's because maybe Ken, uh, Kenneth Murray is finally diagnosing plays, or is it just that they want the two most athletic guys in the field, one is more experienced? I think probably the second one. I mean, I, I think, I mean, you would think that by the time, I mean, I'm holding out hope still that this switch is made. Because, I mean, maybe they're going with, Murray right now at the mic just because he has two years of experience at the mic linebacker right. position. That that could be part of it. And there's still plenty of time to tinker with this. So personally, holding out hope, but maybe right now they're going with him at Mike just because he's the more experienced guy and because he's been there for a little bit. Granted, I mean, Deshaun was backing him up at the mic last year. So, I mean, it's... I think it's just one of those things where I think they can make it work as long as they scheme it towards him, especially in the yeah. run game. Because you can you can fill the gaps in a way where he can just step up into his gap, so it's not a lot of lateral movement as long as you just have the right scheme. Yeah, and I think a, I think a good a good point is that it's a different scheme. Like Kenneth Murray's no longer having to read what the defensive lineman is doing in reaction to what the offensive line is doing. There's no two gap scheme. It's straight. You know the call from defensive lineman back to the safeties pretty much. Um, with Alex Grinch's type of system, basically they all know what to do uh, based off of you know a few words. So they're playing one gap one gap scheme. So instead of reading what the offensive line is doing, what the defensive line will react with their two gap scheme, to which then the linebackers would react, which is a really slow process. That's why your defense is always getting smashed when they played Army, which is unnerving. Um, now it's one gap and linebackers can have a much easier and cleaner read on what's happening in the backfield. For him to find the ball, a lot better, a lot more quickly, which would be good for him so he can run downhill a lot more. Because in the in the very beginning of the year last year, Kenneth Murray seemed to be living in the backfield. And I was like, oh, this is great. I enjoy this. Oh, they blocked the UCLA punts. game was yeah. very fun, yeah. yeah. Oh, they he and Bolton both were. Well, they, yeah. let him, they let him blitz. Yeah. It was that always delayed blitz where they let him sit back there a second in coverage and then just go forward. And it worked. And then they just went away from it. Yeah. Yep. Good times. That was before. Uh, no, that's a rumor. I was going to talk about Curtis Bolton in the locker room with Mike Stoops, but 
we'll, we'll skirt past that one. Never happened. Yeah, never happened. According no. to people. According to people. It's like a scene out of uh, a scene out of Varsity Blues. When he's like, you put that needle in his leg, I swear to God, I'll rip your arms off and beat you with him. And then like, he chokes John Moxon. Nothing like that scene at all. Nothing. Um, OU receiver is stacked. I mean, anything coming out of Springs is going to be about the defense. The offense is just going to be like, hey, how is Jalen Hurts progressing at quarterback? Hey, look, they have three really good wide receivers that are freshmen. That's cool. The offensive line isn't gelled yet, but they'll figure it out because Beat and Bo is the best. So OU's receivers are stacked. Young guys are showing out. I mean, Jaden Hizzle was in a boot before he was in the boot, which is precautionary, so people need to stop freaking out. Before he was in the boot, again, showing out, making catches, routine. There's guys that have been on the roster for a while that it's going to be tough for them to catch one to three balls even because those freshmen are going to surpass everybody on the depth chart that was that you're kind of iffy about because I even I thought about Lee Morris, but Lee Morris has kind of solidified his spot. He'll catch balls. He won't start, but he'll probably yeah. catch 20 passes for eight touchdowns. Yeah. yeah. Right. No joke. Um, so who catches the most balls out of this group between Nick Basquin, Drake Stoops, Michael Jones, and your personal favorite, A.D. Miller. I'm going Nick Basquin. Out of that group, just because A.D. Miller, you don't know what his role is going to be. He might be, you know, way behind in the fray on the outside receiver position. Michael Jones, you don't know with him because, I mean, he, you know, he was serviceable as a sophomore in that 2017 season. He was a starter. He was somewhat reliable. Yep. But then last year, you know, he had a shoulder issue. He redshirted. He redshirted. Then Drake Stoops, I mean... I really like Drake Stoops. I think he's going to be a legitimate contributor someday, but at the same time, he's in his second year. Basquin's in his sixth year in the program. I think Nick <laughs> Nick Basquin's going to play a little bit. And he granted he did look uh he looked pretty good down the stretch yeah. in this offense. He had two really huge catches against Texas in that championship game. He did. He did. You would think that he would get a decent amount of playing time. I bet Nick Basquin, you know, I think it was 20 catches his redshirt sophomore year. Yeah. I bet he maybe has 22, 23 this year, something like that. I think the white guy slot with Drake Stoops is going to catch the most balls out of that production. I mean, it's Hunter Renfro, 2.0, Wes Welker. Add any other white guy slot that plays you know, what that position. I think Drake's going to get more than 10 catches at least. But I'll say it's a toss-up between him and Nick Basquin. That Achilles really... Makes me unsure about his ability to play at a high level and Lincoln Riley's offense, no matter how well he knows the offense. I mean, he knows the offense better than everybody on the team right now, other than Lincoln Riley. But, I mean, if you're playing in slot and you're constantly cutting off both of those Achilles, that's got to take a toll. Uh, so I th- I'll go with toss up between him and Drake. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to split both you. I think Basquin's probably going to get some early run there just you go. because of his. You know, his, his knowledge of the, the system. And then I think Drake Stoops kind of just takes over that role eventually. Now, realistically, I think Trajan Bridges is just going to kill in the slot, even though he's like six foot two. Like, all the guys are recruited, the best wide receivers in the country, they're all six foot he's two. He's absolutely agile enough to play the yeah. slot, though, which is scary. I mean, he's the size of CeeDee Lamb. It's, it's, 
Look out. <laughs> it's funsies. But yeah, I mean, I think you'll see, I, I, think I agree with that. I think you'll see Basquin early and then you'll see a lot of, I think you'll see Michael Jones too. Yeah. Because he's had shoulder issues. Like, I was watching a replay of a game the other day. I think it was Kansas State when Mayfield was still there, when Oklahoma got down, and Michael Jones made some big catches Huge, down the stretch. Yeah. And both times, both big catches, oh crap, my shoulder's messed up. And they at one point they pop, pulled him off. The it was field. the Kansas State yeah. game where they literally popped it back yeah, in a back few times. Yeah. yeah, and it's like okay, there's something going on here. So then, and he sat out last season, and that worries me. So he's tough, but that's clearly a chronic issue. Yeah. So right. like a big game against Ohio State, he just had that one big catch, and then yeah, kind of disappeared Gosh. after that. Yep. Same thing, kind of with Jeff Bidette. Before even the season started, his true freshman season, he was out with an injury during the, the <laughs> yeah during the fall. Yeah, and it was with the shoulder, I believe. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things where it's oh, oh, not going away. People who pop out injuries. their shoulder tend to keep popping out their shoulder for the rest of their life as long as they're active. So I mean, done that. People done with that. blood clots tend to keep on having blood clots, <laughs> yeah. especially if you're playing at the highest level of collegiate athletics. So that's depressing. Yeah, but the word is out of camp for a spring game. Alex Grinch's style of defense is giving Lincoln Riley's offense. Now, mind you, the offensive line is still kind of in disarray. Let's okay. Let's go a step above disarray. What's the step above disarray? Not gelling well. Let's go with that. It's in the experimental stages. Yeah, it's in the experimental stages, and you have two new quarterbacks. One which knows the offense. Okay, you know he's been in the system for a year. One that does not know the offense but is athletic and has plenty of accolades that come with him. Alex Grinch's style of play is still giving Lincoln Riley's offense some pretty big fits. Isn't that the way it should be? I mean, they've been having a free ride for, what, three seasons? <laughs> yeah, something like that. True. I mean, and people are going to say, oh, no, the offense sucks. The offensive line is terrible. But if you're going against the same personnel every day, the defense should know the calls. Yeah. The defense should know the signs. They should know the plays. They should know what's going to happen. If you've been playing, if you watch film like Kenneth Murray does, apparently, the defense should be giving him fits. But from what I understand, it's like exponential in regards to the last few seasons that there have been far more turnovers forced by Alex Grinch and his it's defense. That speed D. It's jeez. Oh, every video they put out, they're like. Strip the ball. Get the ball out. <laughs> That's all you hear. And so is it like fumbles? And some of it is like they're actually pressing, which is kind of weird. I haven't seen that in a minute. And a lot of balls are honestly coming off tipped passes, interceptions. If you're seeing a lot of press coverage, then uh, that's going to be a sight for sore eyes around these parts. I mean, you've been seeing a lot of uh, cushions over the last – oh, I mean, I guess like, you go back to uh, – that Baylor game in 2014 that has traumatized an entire state. <laughs> I wa- I were you that were you at that game? No, I was actually in the press box at Florida State for that game and watching it while Florida State was playing and just having a fit up in the press box and people were like, "What the fuck is wrong with Jack?" <laughs> like, and I'm like, "Oh, I'm watching this Oklahoma game. Our team fucking sucks. We're gonna play in the Alamo Bowl." I mean, yeah, it was. Ugh. It was a weird deal. I was at the game. I left. Like I after that first drive, after halftime, when it was the fans started really booing. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm not staying around for this. This is 
this is not what I remember Oklahoma football looking like. That was like. the perfectly satisfying moment for the, that situation, though. That was OU fans getting their pound of flesh against Mike Stoops for the first time. Oh, and that, that that felt a little bit liberating. And that was when Julian Wilson was, like, screaming at yeah. Stoops on the sideline. Not a good look. Bad optics. But they still kept him for wait, how many years? One, two. That was his last long. year, though, wasn't he? That oh. was his senior year. I'm talking, I'm talking about Mike Stoops. Oh, Mike Stoops. I thought you were talking about <laughs> Julian Wilson. <laughs> I think oh, I think Alex Grinch would love Julian Wilson in this defense. I mean, he's pretty rangy. Yeah. He was a pretty good nickel when they played him at the nickel. Yeah. Then they moved him to corner. He wasn't, wasn't fast enough. Fit. Yeah, so. so. We're going to talk about spring game recruiting, but first, let's have a break from our sponsors. All right, so spring game recruiting. A lot of guys are in for the game. Uh, so many. And let's just go over the themes, first of all. Offensive lineman, definitely a theme. A couple running backs with Seth McGowan and Chris Tyree, who is a five-star. We talked about him previously. And then after that, all defensive players besides one. Uh, all Mostly defensive backs. And a few defensive linemen. Who should we be watching with as far as eyeball emojis or on commitment watch, Stephen? I think you got to start with Jacoby Covington because I think he's been on commitment watch for close to a month. At least after, I mean, after yeah. his latest visit. Um, he's a guy that OU really likes. He's a rangy guy. He can play either corner or safety. He might probably end up at safety, but we'll see how the system works out. So I think you start with him. Another guy that's uh, kind of just kind of, I want to say popped up out of nowhere, but kind of has elevated himself as Major Burns. Now, right. he decommitted from A&M, didn't he? A&M, yeah. and now it's just kind of, it looks like it's OU's game to like play yeah. at this point. Um, so I think he's probably in that category of, all right, let's see what happens this weekend with him. Uh, Dante Manning, another guy that's been to OU's campus a few times. Ryan Watts is another guy that's been to OU's campus a few times. So, it's, I mean, all those defensive backs – you could probably make an argument that they could be on commitment watch this weekend. So you're saying Keely Ringo is not going to be on commitment watch? Uh, I mean, he that's a long game thing right there, I'm thinking. Every, every five-star guy is pretty much a... Texas is pissed that Keely Ringo is making it to Norm. Got the subtweets from Brian Carrington, so... Gosh. He no graduated way. from Houston. Like, get one of... Get a Texas alumni. he plays Madden. So, yeah, I mean, for me, like you look at Major Burns, Jacoby Covington, Dante Manning, Ryan Watts, these are guys that I would say, hey, I would watch out for. Are there any wild cards that you would say? So, like, let's go down some of the list. We talked about Akinola Ogunbayi last week as far as offensive line. He's a guy that's been mentioned several times as far as, like, maybe he would commit, and he's probably a par- he might be Maybe a he's already of, committed. Yeah, maybe. He's already had a pair of eyeballs sent out for him. Marcus Dumerville, I just like the last name because uh, of whatever. My favorite name on here, and we talked about this before the podcast, Roger Rosengarten makes me think of Rookie of the Year with Henry. Garden Hoser. Yeah, Garden Hoser. Henry, Henry Roland Gardner, right? Henry Rowan Gardner. Yeah, Rowan Gardner. Who would eventually be in all the American Pie movies, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's the Wait, guy. Wait, really? Yeah. Yep. No. Uh-huh. That was the guy who dated uh, uh, Tara Reid. In the movies, yeah. What? Oh my gosh! Yeah, I just made the connection. That <laughs> you just is made him. that connection. Yeah, Holy that is him. Holy shit! That is him. Mind blown. 
But yeah, Oklahoma. <laughs> you clear clearly, there's an emphasis on defense. Because, I mean, Major Byrne, Jacoby Covington, Dante Manning, Lathan Ransom, Keely Ringo, Bryson Washington, Ryan Watts, uh, Derek Bermudez. All he's defensive another backs. guy he might. I want to say he's, he's like a 50% like coin flip, but I mean, there, there's a chance there. There's a, he's got a lot of offers lately, and Oklahoma's one of his first big ones. Yeah, and, it's, and then you've got some defensive linemen. Uh, Brian Brissy, Warren Brinson, Jason Harris. Honestly... I don't think any of those guys are going to commit to OU. I'd be surprised. I think Oklahoma's going to have to go down their normal pattern of, can we poach a three-and-a-half, four-star kid out of Kansas or Texas or maybe a great concern guy and turn him into the fold? Get a money you know, at so. least you have yeah. a concrete system now, so you know exactly <laughs> what type of guys you're going to be looking after. I mean, that wasn't the case, obviously, with Mike Stoops. It was a... Different os- offensive system every yeah. six or defensive system every six months, it seemed like. So, you know, at least there's that. <laughs> but clearly, clearly, we know what the emphasis is here. And Lincoln Riley came out and said in a video, which he does like every week now, he's like, This is the biggest recruiting weekend of the year. Need please, to have you all out on Saturday night. Please help us. Just kidding, it's Friday. <laughs> Lee Bryce is at six. Don't forget. Like, it's just like, we. Cl- it's very clear what direction the team need, is going in. Hey, we need bigger defensive backs. Because we discussed this last week. All the, guy, all the guys we discussed last week are on this list. Yeah. All of them, six foot one and bigger, 185 and bigger. I think, what was it Covington? That was like 6'2", 187? Yeah. Holy crap. So, I mean, there's a clear vision of what Alex Grinch wants. And... I mean, as a Sooner fan, somebody that covers a team, somebody just watches the team, you got to be excited for them. And then, of course, OU commits in attendance for now. You know, it might change because they changed the game to Friday night, which we'll talk about in a second. Jace McClellan, Mikey Henderson, Drew Sanders, DJ Graham, and Trevon West. I mean, those are your offensive guys, right? So you kind of got the offensive skill guys in the fold anyways because your offense is kind of young besides the quarterback. Yeah. So you're not really worried about that. So then you're worried about defensive turnover. Besides who we mentioned about the eyeball emojis, maybe Burns, Covington, Manning, and Watts would be guys I'd be looking out for. Who on this list is on your wish list? Outside of that defensive back group, Chris Tyree might be one of those guys. I think he would... You know, we talked about last week how potentially a certain former IMG running back could maybe potentially be, be leaving. Around. Yeah, could yeah. be looking around. So he would be someone who would sort of fit into that role that uh, they kind of were hoping for him to play. So, plus he's really damn good. I mean, he's like a he's you know a high four star guy out of yeah. Virginia. You know, a really really quick, good uh, guy who would be really good in the passing game. I mean, someone who has really also been high on OU as well. So you know, it's Maybe not someone that OU would get this weekend, but you know, down the line, I think Tyree is someone who uh, could definitely join the fold. He reminds me, kind and of, he'd be a good change of pace compared to the other commitments that this group would have as well. So he, remi- I, he reminds me of a little. I know I said last time I mentioned Marco Murray. He reminds me of like kind of honestly like Roy Finch, but like way higher upside. Yeah, yeah. And I loved Roy Finch too, so I mean that was yeah. He just couldn't fucking <laughs> couldn't, block. He couldn't block, and uh, Josh Heupel hated yeah. him apparently. So you know, gosh, what about you, Stephen? Who's on your wish list? 
Yeah, I think Tyree's got to be up there just because he's a guy that can you can put you know if you wanted to you can make him a wide receiver. Yeah, he could be a great slot receiver. So it's one of those guys you kind of he's almost like a Tavon Austin. Yeah, um, kind of guy. So you could you could slot him into a running back wide Mike or Steve wide shutters. receiver. Um, just kind of one of those guys. I think Marcus Doomerville is a is a guy that you'd probably want to make a big impact with. Just I think it's St. Thomas Aquinas. Yep. Um, he's a big dude, really, really impressed in camp. So I think if you want to shore up your offensive line, he's a guy that's probably one of your top targets. You want to kind of a, make a big impression with us this weekend. Uh, obviously, Keely Ringo. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think he'll make it. He's coming with Jacoby Coming or Covington, which is a good uh, might sign. be an unofficial, right? Potentially, it's, it's an unofficial. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you know maybe it's up in the air a little bit with this this date change, but yeah. I. Th- if he's coming with a Jacoby Covington, I don't think it's going to be too big of an issue. I think it's always a good sign that he's coming with but, yeah. a peer or friend. Uh, and that peer or friend happens to be a very <laughs> big close. Yeah, yeah. Very targeted. Seems to be a big advocate for the Sooners, so that's uh, that's kind of nice. But uh, OU needs stars on, on defense. Yep. Like you've, We've seen it in the, the, the big games against Alabama. There's no stars on defense. Not There's right. always stars. Like CeeDee Lamb, your star on offense played like a star. Yeah. Like who's your star on defense? Who was oh that's a good question. Who was Oklahoma's best player? Curtis Bolton maybe. That's really bad. That's I mean was Curtis Bolton Oklahoma's best player on defense last year? Arguably, I think you. Yeah, I mean, God, for at least half of the games, I would say. I mean, it's terrible. I mean, um, kudos to Curtis, but Jesus Christ, there were times when the defensive backs were getting lit up, and OU was giving up like four hundred yards of passing and you would kind of look at the cornerbacks and say they won a decent amount of battles all things considered yeah. i mean there were times when you looked at trey brown or parnell motley maybe you know one two or three games where you said he might have been the standout on defense in this game you know Definitely. it could have been you know it could have been a 550 yard passing game if not for some of the plays those guys made obviously they should right. have uh, been in better position more often they could have had some better safety help obviously yep but uh I would still say Curtis Bolton, which uh, that's just sad. makes me angry. Makes me honestly unhappy about it. Yeah, I would say my wish list. I mean, like you, I'm, I'm gonna go Keely Ringo. I mean, the guy's like the top. Yeah, he's the best. You throw uh, Brian Brissy in there. I think yeah. you know he's probably in the he's, argument for yeah. top player in the nation. Yeah, he's up there with Ringo. So I, mean, I got he's a top ten. Ringo Brissy. I'm cool with those guys. I mean, honestly, Gary Bryant Jr. at wide receiver. I mean. How, I mean, if you're looking for a slot, he's kind of the prototypical. If you're coming in, like Gary Bryan Jr. is going to walk in, and he's going to see – he won't see Jaden Hazelwood play because he's he's not going to – I doubt he plays the spring game. I don't know if they officially ruled him out or not, but I highly doubt you see Jaden Hazelwood play in the spring game just for precautionary reasons. Nothing's wrong. But you'll probably see Theo Weiss play, so I pre- probably see Jalen uh, – you'll probably see uh, Trajan. Tra- Trajan Bridges. I don't know why I said that. Trajan Bridges play, and he's going to say – Holy crap! Those guys are freshmen. Yeah, and that if, I mean, if I'm a recruit, I'd probably be like, okay, maybe not, maybe not going there. But at the same time, if you're at a high level like these guys are, you might welcome that competition. Mm-hmm. So there's that. So let's go to this over under. Let's say, and this over under is not a part of the pair of eyeballs Lincoln Riley already sent out and said it was uh, quote unquote a big one. We're thinking more literal than metaphorical. Yeah, very yeah. literal in that statement. Over under 3.5 pairs of eyeballs coming out of this Friday slash uh, Friday evening, Saturday mornings 
game. 3.5, I'd go over. I mean, I don't think we'll necessarily see that many commitments this weekend, mm-hmm. but I think we'll probably see more eyeballs than that. Yeah, I'm going to go over. I think there's three that you could probably make a good argument for, and I'm sure there's going to be a 2021 kid that's just going to pull the trigger at some point that we're, we're not even talking yeah. about. So I'm going to say over as well, in which I think that's so interesting because remember when <laughs> remember when Bob Stoops was the head coach? He'd have a spring game. You might get one commitment out of it, right? Because the idea was like, it was like this king of the hill idea where he always wins at closing time and he always get all the recruits to come back in at the very end of the month, at the very end of the signing period and sign the entire class, even though he had like seven guys going into January. <laughs> Lincoln Riley, and then you look at Alabama, yeah. their spring game, like, oh, they just got five, four stars or five or four or five stars committed after the spring game. And you're just sitting at Oklahoma, you're like, what the hell? And then now we're saying... That looks fun. <laughs> so yeah, like, I wish that would happen. This is Oklahoma. Why isn't it happening to Oklahoma? And then Lincoln Riley, enter Lincoln Riley, enter Friday Night Lights, and now we're saying, I wouldn't be surprised there's four, maybe five yeah. pairs of eyeballs. There's already one pair of eyeballs. One, one set eye pair of eyeballs is probably at the game. Um, it's just so different. And I think fans really appreciate it. I think everybody that covers a team yeah. really appreciates it. Instead of like a dead vibe, now you actually have something. But let's talk about the spring game. It's moved from uh, Saturday morning, which would be, or I guess afternoon. Everything started in the morning. It was supposed to be windy, kind of rainy, cold, shitty like last year. And they moved it to Friday night. Literally right before we put like two hours before we podcast, like about to drive over here. Like, oh yeah, by the way, they changed it. It's Friday now, so people from you know out of state or people from in Tulsa are probably upset. Lee Bryce, um, before kickoff, game starts at seven p.m. How big is that for just optics point of view? How big is the game being at night on a Friday? How does that uh, function into the? the whole view of this game. I mean, it's kind of difficult to tell because this is definitely new ground for Oklahoma. We've never seen a spring game on a Friday night. We don't really see spring games on Friday nights at most places, so it's kind of difficult to uh, gauge the optics on this. I mean, you would think that it's... A nice thing. I mean, I'm, I'm. I mean, I feel like there's a bit more buzz for it now that it's on a Friday night. It's definitely, like I said, it's uh, better to be played on a Friday night in decent weather than during the afternoon on a Saturday and a gloomy day with right. uh, heavy winds and a uh, just like last ton year, of rain. Right? Yeah, exactly. But with rain mixed in this time, so I mean, that's uh, you know, as far as optics are concerned, I I feel like it. It's probably pretty decent. Yeah. You know, it's. I mean, it's going to inconvenience a lot of people, but from a recruiting perspective, you know, I think it's going to be a positive. Yeah, I agree. What do you think, Stephen? I think that overall, I think it's just the best decision they could have made. Yeah, because absolutely. Because I think a lot of people are going to back out on Saturday. Now, you go into Friday night, like, oh, what do you want to do? Well, you know, let's go have a couple of beers and watch some football. So yeah. Like five, ten bucks. I mean, it's, it's a home run, I think, for OU, especially because – most of your visiting list is official visits. Yep. So you're not really going to lose out on too many recruit. Yeah. Like there might be one or two. Yep. But seeing that they're official, I mean, it's gonna it's gonna pan out. And I wonder if this changes their thought process on spring games in the future. Like let's let's say 
moving forward, like, wow, the turnout was better. I mean, maybe the turnout might not be as better because they literally changed it Tuesday of the week of instead of, you know, three weeks out. That, oh, by the way, now it's on a Friday evening instead of Saturday. So people that from from Tulsa area can't really make it out that fast or that well. Yeah, exactly. But maybe see the atmosphere's better. Maybe the recruits like it more because at the end of the day, it's about the recruits. Um, Fewer old people there, so you can do more young people music. <laughs> yeah, be speakers and stuff like that. Yeah, so maybe next year they can get ludicrous like Texas. And, uh, like, I think they've always toyed with the Friday Night Lights. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's not like a football game, but, yeah. you know, like a camp. Yeah, something. We talked about it, like, what, a year ago? Yeah. So they were toying with, like, a, the notion of doing a camp on Friday. I think Nebraska did that last year, the year mm-hmm. before, and it seemed to be pretty... I think TJ Pledger was there, and it was gaining a lot of... Uh, Jalen Redmond was yeah. there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. That's what it was. That's right. And I think it could really have positive effects for the years after. I'll say, hey, maybe this night game, this atmosphere is really freaking cool. Like, maybe we should continue to do this, and if the recruits like it, you know, have them stay over Friday evening. We'll have Lincoln Riley's wife cook bacon Saturday morning and get all of the commits, maybe. So I think that's a I think it's a big positive uh, moving forward. Hopefully, now let's talk about the format of the game because there's not been one damn settled format since Bob Stoops was the head coach, and then Lincoln Riley he's kind of had settled on a format of we'll have red and white and let's alternate QBs, and that's about it. But here's my – I don't know what your guys' favorite format was. I just keep on thinking about back to, like, 2008 with – they literally had a draft of Team Red, Team White, Travis Lewis with the shark on the side of his head. You know, losing team has to buy steak dinners. And, like, he comes out in a freaking white suit, stuff like that, to the team dinner or whatever it was. I mean, of course, my favorite format is you literally have enough players healthy, which TCU does not. Yeah, so they canceled theirs, and it made sense in that instance. But if you have enough guys healthy to do a draft and just line up, play a damn football game, this format is likely to be the same. Defense, offense, we're going to filter in ones and twos. We're going to alternate quarterbacks. You'll see a lot of Tanner Schaefer, which I'm sure people are psyched about. (laughs) Um, But what do you guys think about format of the game? Because remember, like, one year it was, like, defense like it was offense versus defense a couple of years in a row and i hated that format it was like oh yeah they got they got a fourth down stop but yeah, they got three points i liked the way that they set it up where it was always one versus one and two versus twos i mean i think that was what the fans enjoyed the most yeah. as far as scoring is concerned i really don't care honestly i don't care who wins the spring game i mean it was what was it last year? I think they basically played a half of football yeah. and then had like a sudden death overtime or something like that. Yeah, something or, like that. I don't remember how the overtime worked. I, I just he, remember it went to overtime. I think Marquise Brown like foot raced some student. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think this year it's going to be like... got like the slowest kid. Yeah, I think this year it's going to be like... I think C.D. Lamb... Rock, paper, scissors. Yeah, C.D. Lamb is doing a rock, paper, scissor. I That's... Uh, not sure that that's going to get the people going. Well, or if not, they're going to get uh, flagged for it in the regular season, might yeah. as well do it during the yeah, spring. Yeah, that's game. true. Yeah, it's bullshit. So I don't know, but yeah, <laughs> ones. Any way that you can put ones versus ones and twos versus twos exactly. seems like the thing that makes sense to me. I mean, if you're complaining about who wins the spring game, like, fuck off. Like, <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Just, like, because you're not there to see see who wins. You're yeah. there to see. Who's making strides? Who's making progress? And who's like making the big plays? You're there to see something fun. You're there to see somewhat some essence of football. And you're there to see your favorite players. And you're there to see 
progress. Like, wow, Charleston Rambo maybe looks like the burner we thought he would be to replace uh, Marquise Brown. Stuff like that. You're not there to see like a legitimate. Jeff well, Mead, I'm really make excited. Make an open catch and burn yeah. coverage. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, that's right. Then he catch like two like, really big passes like two years ago. Because like, Justin Broyles didn't like move over I or something. I think he's turning the corner. <laughs> Gosh. Who's going to show up big? I'll go Rambo. I think he's the guy okay, that probably yeah. sneak. I think they're going to play CD pretty close because they know who that guy is. Yeah. Rambo would be a good pick. Another. I'm going to go Theo Weiss. Theo Weiss? Yeah. Maybe well, maybe Trajan actually. One of the two freshmen. One of the two years. freshmen. Yeah, I mean Hazelwood, like you said. I don't. Why would they risk it? I mean, yeah, I no, he's not yeah, going to play. Um, give me, give me Tanner Mordecai. Okay, yeah, that's a good one. I think he's going to show up big, and I think fans are going to walk away thinking, well, I don't know. <laughs> There's quarterback competition. Jalen Hurts sucks. Yeah, Jalen, he can't throw a ball in the wind. Yeah. I think that Tanner Mordecai. Can yeah. beat Tua. Zone, that read, zone read option, dangerous. Already lost to Georgia fly. once. Yeah, no joke. And, yeah, Oklahoma today, we saw they, they scheduled a, a home-and-home with Georgia. Or with Alabama. 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 Yeah. Yeah. The Georgia ones, I mean, it's it, the Georgia ones kind of, we're waiting for that to be confirmed, essentially. There's reports from The Athletic about yeah. the Georgia one being a thing. I think it would be 2023 in Norman yeah. and 2031 in Athens. It's kind of a bummer that the Athens one is that far, so far away. away. Cause the one normal because the one normally is four years away. I don't know if y'all have ever been to Athens. It's, it's uh it's fantastic. It, awesome. It's it's it might be my favorite college town in the country. It's it's got everything. Like the deep south is inherently for minorities like myself, kind of terrifying. <laughs> but Athens, Georgia. Athens is a very progressive place. Well, it's it's cool. Like yeah. I was not afraid when I was when I was there. Like for example, going through Louisiana and seeing like Confederate flags uh, stapled to two by fours on every There's tree. Plenty of that in the rest of Georgia. I was I was terrified. But then like I go to Athens, Georgia. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like this is pretty cool. And I'm in like this is like a legit place. So yeah, it's, I'm excited. And so the thing is, is like. And all the bullshit. Oklahoma is the best scheduling university as far as football in all of college football. Like they, they schedule. The I best completely opponents. agree. Yeah, yeah, they back down from no one. They and know that it's beneficial to their, them as that's well. Their I mean, brand. It's, I mean, it's a. It's going to benefit you in the eyes of the college football playoff committee. It's right. going to make you money, right? In some form and or fashion. Primetime national TV. Yeah, it, it helps your brand immensely. Meanwhile, Texas is going to play like. It helps recruiting. UTL I mean, it, it's it's yeah, exactly. You get exposure <laughs> in areas where you usually exactly don't. yeah, and getting exposure in Alabama and Georgia is obviously a nice thing. So. Like, I think I was watching the Ole Miss spring game for some reason because I was bored, and they went through their schedule. And they're like, oh yeah, there's no gimmies. Charleston Southern, they're not even a gimme, and I'm like, you've got to be shitting me. <laughs> Charleston Southern is not a gimme. <laughs> It should be a gimme for I mean, an SEC it was, team. I was, it was Granted, Charleston Network. Southern is like a playoff team in the FCS, so they can That's give. True. They could give like bad Power Five teams a game, and but they shouldn't be considered like a good scheduling opponent for an SEC I mean, they, school. They I mean, kept it close with Bama for a bit this yeah. past year, and then didn't they beat like Florida or something not that long ago? I think that was Georgia Southern who. Okay, did that. okay that's yeah. right. That's who but, it was. But it's just like really Charleston Southern is not a gimme. To an SEC, to a Division One SEC opponent, so it just it blows my mind. So Oklahoma, you can like 
throw it all away. They are the best scheduling college football team in the United States. Just off of that, it's just it's it's over. It's done because like you have LSU, Georgia, Alabama that they confirmed. Um, who are some others I'm missing right now? Two different home and homes against Nebraska. Michigan, Michigan is happening. Twenty twenty five, twenty six. Yeah. So reconvening that that rivalry in Nebraska just temporarily. And then you have like cool home and homes Until against lesser opponents. Like uh, you've got a home and home with Army, yep. which everyone likes. You have a home and home with Tulane. Okay, Army was gives, cool until yeah. you almost lost to them. <laughs> yeah, good point. But I mean, it was a good idea in yeah. principle, and it, it will probably prove to be a good idea yeah, in the it end. Was cool. Which, uh, and then you've got a home and home with Tulane, and they now yeah. have an on-campus stadium, yes. which is in a really cool part of town. So. Um, I'm gonna have to make it the trip down to New Orleans for that game. It's I'm it's excited. only like a thirty thousand seat stadium, so bad. which it, it's it's perfect for them. But the demand for tickets is gonna yeah. be really high. I have to make it down and then go get tattooed. Cause there that's you where go. It's my, my artist lives, so I'm like, hey, let's, let's Last time I went out. to Tulane's campus, I was at this bar. Do you remember Wee Man from Jackass? Oh hell yeah! He was in like a wrestling thing, <laughs> like in a wrestling ring, <laughs> and times. he was. If you paid $5, you could staple a $5 bill to his tongue at this bar. What? So that's that's my memory of Tulane. So pretty fun place. <laughs> I mean, that's, it, it, I think I forgot the name of this bar, but it's like it's on the list of like best college bars in the country. The Boot. The Boot. boot that's what it's called. That yeah, it's a uh, pretty cool place. But yeah, Tulane is a legit place to uh, hang out. A really kind of overlooked area of New Orleans. It's a... Uh, like, you've got Tulane, you've got Loyola, New Orleans, and University of yeah. New Orleans, I think, all in that little area. And so Tulane a, will not let you forget, they were in the SEC at one point. They were, yeah. Georgia Tech was, too. Yeah. yeah. So And Suwannee. Suwannee College. Gosh, that's such university a small of university South. in Tennessee, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, let's go back to spring game stuff. Who's going to be most disappointing as far as their performance, like who, who you're expecting something big out of or something, expecting something exciting, and then you're just left with, nah, well, they, they are okay. I'm going to go with Jalen Hurts, and I don't think that's going to be an indication of how yeah. well he's going to do in the regular season. Yeah. I think people are think just going to target. I think, yeah, exactly. I think people are going to get paranoid about every overthrow and underthrow that he makes. So. He can't complete throws in Lincoln <laughs> yeah. Riley's system. Yeah. Kick uh, him out. I'm really not looking forward to those takes, but I mean they—I mean they're going to come. I—I I, I think that if he so isn't completely sharp, then you're going to have a little bit of backlash, and it's going to become—it's going to officially become a thing, much more than the Kyler Murray Austin Kendall faux competition yeah, was. I agree. What do you think, Stephen? I think I'll go with a secondary, just because I think they'll give up some catches, um, but they'll—I mean—they'll rip the ball. But I think they'll give up the yardage where you're like, oh, man, they, they suck at covering still. And then Alex Grinch after the game will be like, Trash. told you. Trash. <laughs> garbage. <laughs> bye. Yeah, I mean, disappointing. I think Jalen Hurts is such an easy target because they're— You also can't run. Like, microscope. Yeah, exactly. You can't run in this game. You can't run over anyone You're not in this supposed game. to run gonna, in the game, but they still do. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to really see too many right. recorded yards right, from it. Right. I mean, you're going to— you might see, and I mean, his biggest strong suit as a runner is how powerful he is yep. and how much he, uh, how well he reads holes as mm-hmm. well. So I mean, it's, uh, I don't think something like that's really going to be on full display. So I mean, then that's a very big part of who he is. So 
you know, we'll see. I mean, I think we will see his arm strength, which is mm-hmm. pretty underrated. So, and I think that plays a part into Charleston Rambo as yeah. far as there you go. You're gonna see it. Um, I'll, most disappointing. Give me Kenneth Murray. <laughs> he's gonna miss a. He's he's gonna miss a gap. Kennedy Brooks. Doesn't know where he's at. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know, because like anything, you can say offensively, you could say, oh, the offensive line is garbage, so not a lot's going on in the offense, and then. Really, most disappointing, like oh, is Ceedee Lamb not going to catch like eight balls? Like so, the spotlight of course is on Jalen Hurts. I think you could easily just apply to the most of the defense, at least the secondary. So I think that's fair. Who's going to be the spring game all star that you'll never hear from again? I always think of Marshall Musil. Ooh, that guy was like <laughs> twenty carries, whatever, however many yards. Never heard from him again. So who's going to have a monster spring game, and who are you never going to hear from again? I think the easy target here is TJ Pledging. Okay. I think. Yeah. Because I think he's a good back. I think there's just a lot of rumors like how does he fit in with Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon there taking 50-50s. Um, so I think TJ Pledger is a, a pretty good target there. I'm going to go with Trey Norwood. I think he's going to shine a little bit early, and I think uh, during the season, as always, will disappear. What do you think? That's a tough one. Um you would think maybe someone at the safety position because mm. certain people are going to enter the equation over the off season. So I'm not going to say either of the two presumed starters because uh, I think both of them will. Because you know Patrick Fields and DTY, I think yeah. both of them will play roles in the secondary this yeah. year. So uh, I'm trying to think, uh, trying to think of names back there behind those two. I mean, it's thin obviously behind those two. So I'm kind of drawing a blank. But Jordan um, Parker, maybe Jordan Parker. There you go. Jordan Parker has a big game. I bet he has a interception and doesn't have a single interception during the season. There you go. Give me maybe Justin Broyles too. He'd be another one. Give me one of one of, this, one of the wide receivers we talked about previously as far as being buried on the depth chart. Okay. Give me Drake Stoops. I bet he catches like seven balls. Actually, I changed mine. I bet A.D. Miller has you some good AD catches yeah. in this game, and we never see him during the season. Or, like, or we'll see him in the first four games of the season and then never see him again. It's like same Dahoo stuff that, yeah. oh, he's gonna he has over 100 yards. Oh, he did a spin move? That's crazy. Next thing, where is he at now? Well, didn't he go to where Justin Sanson was? Arkansas Ar- State. Ar- yeah. State. Yeah. So, I mean, that makes That's sense. not a bad landing spot really, for a second not. landing spot. I mean, you can make it to the NFL from there and get a little bit of a Wednesday night exposure or whatever. Yeah. Was it Fun Belt? Is that Wednesday? Yeah, that was the Fun Belt. I think yeah. it was Tuesday. I don't know. Who wins? Sooners or Sooners? Uh, or fans? Lee Bryce. Lee Bryce wins. No, no Lee Bryce loses. <laughs> Is there any way he can win? No, not with me. He can't win with me, but... Like just overall, like oh wow, okay, that was that was not a bad concert. I don't know any of his songs. I don't think I know a couple of his songs just because I go to Cowboys. I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> that one song. Yeah, I. It, it's it's purely going to be a uh, matter of preference. I am militantly anti-pop country, so he's mm. obviously on the bad list. So, I mean, I'm going to leave that up to the individual fan. <laughs> Yeah, I answer. So probably break it down like offense, defense, who wins, or yeah. oh yeah, hurts Tanner Mordecai. I think defense will probably go through. I think I don't think there's gonna be a lot of scoring. I could yeah. be wrong though. If Tanner Mordecai does significantly better than Jalen Hurts, Twitter is gonna be a shitstorm. Yeah, 
remember when it was Trevor Knight and then Baker Mayfield who was going to have to redshirt? And, you know, Baker was like, God, it's like, what is he, like 12 or 13 or 11 or 12, yeah. like two touchdowns? The funny thing is he never really had a great spring game after that. Yeah. I mean, it, it I mean. And Trevor Knight was like 7 or 13. That's why you've got to always take these things with a grain of salt. Like Garrett Gilbert, his spring game after that game against Alabama, he like threw for like 350 yep, yards or yep. something like that. And then he blew ass during the season. Yeah. I mean. right. <laughs> Like David Brooks is another guy that's an example. Oh of yeah, David spring. Brooks. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. he racked up like 150 yards. Yeah, I just think I remember when that Mayfield Trevor Knight stuff happened. People were like, "Oh well, Mayfield's going against the twos and the threes. That's why he was doing so well." And then it turns out Trevor Knight just sucks and won the Heisman yeah. Trophy winner. So there's that. Oh well, all right. Well, this weekend, pop culture stuff. Game of Thrones, and we talked about this last podcast. Game of Thrones officially starts on Sunday. The first episode usually sucks. Yeah, I I feel like I unloaded a lot of takes last week, yeah. so I'm trying to be fresh here. But you're you're just gonna we'll like I'll improvise. The, I have lots of thoughts. It's just so. gonna be them visiting each part of the new world and saying, "Hey, we're back." Yeah, and that's it. You know, it's yeah. Yeah, first episodes usually aren't too great. One thing that sort of stood out to me, there was a list of odds that came from a British bookmaking company on who would sit on the Iron Throne. Guess who was at 8-1? to one? Mm. Peter Baelish. There's <laughs> something that came out with a spoiler in the last few days. I haven't read it because I don't read spoilers. I read spoilers. But... That gives me a bit of pause. That that he is that high up. George R. R. Martin and the makers of the show are ba- always basically. Oh, they always tease you and they say, "Did you see them actually die?" Like, yeah, we bl- did see him actually die. But at the same time, and you know, in the books, people are brought back to life. But, but we've also seen Arya Stark being close to death several times. Yeah, and but you saw her get better. The like, Hound, too, is another yeah, example there. Yeah, the Hound. Like, we saw him die. Is Stannis actually dead? But did they actually Probably. die? But maybe not. So, I don't know. Thrones, I'm excited. I'm going to watch that over the whoever the Thunder plays in the playoffs, because I know oh, I'll, just, yeah. I'll be sad. Absolutely. So and You have the Masters all day before that, too. That's going to be the ultimate true. chill day. It's going to be fun. I took off of work. I'm pumped. Do you have any takes, Game of Thrones? thing is like there's really only two locations they can cover in the first episode just Winterfell exactly because they're Island. not in essos anymore so that's right. it's all westeros which is for the better i guess right? what's it dragonstone or yeah dragonstone yeah. i guess that yeah the that's third, her base of operations i think you're but, gonna uh, see a lot of cersei lannister being pissed the entire episode yeah and backstabbing jamie or daenerys by saying yeah we'll send whatever and she's like huh just kidding i'm gonna kill people and Watch the world burn by myself. I guess freeze. I genuinely don't know exactly. Like this first episode, like you said, it's probably going to be some sort of boring, like semi-introductory yeah. thing. But hey, I, I genuinely don't know from a plot perspective where they begin with all of this because it's they should. You could I, go have they back released? to the wall. Yeah, because yeah. what's his name's at the wall still. Yeah, and I mean it was uh, uh, it was East Watch by the Sea that got. Uh, have they released the episode title name yet? They typically I, I, I think they did. I don't think I they released it, it, but I think it got leaked. It probably got leaked with that, because uh, the first episode was leaked. 
but it's uh, I think it was taken down, but I think someone transcribed it. I'm not looking at it, but I would I imagine guess. the name of the episode came out with it. I'm gonna guess they start at the wall with Tormund because didn't he run yeah, down the it, wall? It was Tormund and uh, uh, Barrett Gondarian. Right, I believe. they ran down yeah. the wall right before it collapsed. Yeah, so I'm gonna say they probably start at Castle Black. Well, that was at Eastwatch. Well, I don't even know how far that would be, but that's I, yeah. It's I guess they would make their way to Castle Black. Yeah, they would. Yeah, and you would kind think of, that's where the whole thing takes off. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm googling what they they haven't actually. I I for me to, I'd have to go into spoilers to read what the titles of the show are. But yeah, do you guys see Antonio Brown being an asshole on Twitter for the past <laughs> yeah, week? He thought he was like owning uh, Juju Juju Smith Schuster, and it really made Juju look like a really nice stand up guy. guy. Yeah. yeah, like hey, uh, I'm still a U- hey, hey AB, I'm still a USC, and I'm trying to get to the next level like you are, and you're such an inspiration. Uh, what can I do? And AB just like is he an seemed like about a, it. a sharp college kid who wanted to like pick a CEO's brain or something yeah. like that. Like I mean, or wanted to interview him for a project or something like that. He seemed like a nice college kid. I mean, and he in in the eyes of AB that made him look weak or something yeah. like that. I mean, obviously it made Juju look like a normal good dude. <laughs> yeah, he's got a blonde mustache, and I yeah. hate him. You're a Steelers guy, right? Yeah, I hate this guy. Okay, yeah, like, I would imagine. Like, over the past year and a half, you can tell, like, this guy's a drama queen, and I don't like that. And Le'Veon Bell, you're like, oh, yeah, I was going to ask you, who do you hate more, A.B. or Le'Veon Bell? A.B., 100%. Le'Veon Bell, like, has he been vocal about it sometimes? Yeah, and I understand his frustrations because the whole, like, salary tag, I, that, that, that's understandable. Give the man his money. A.B., he got his money. And he's just been a little bitch the past two years. So it's like, Le'Veon Bell, I get it, bro. That's fine. They got James Conner. They'll be okay. But A.B., there's no reason for him to act like that. And he, like, it just seems like he's gone off the deep end. Yeah. Like, and part of, is part of it just like the mustache being blonde and him being <laughs> real weird? Yeah, that's part of it. Like, why would you bleach your mustache blonde? Like, other than you just snorting cocaine 24-7 and just having too good of a time in Oakland where you can do that it's just i'm ready for that franchise to burn down to the ground as far as like ben rothberger's gone cool whatever juju's gonna be good they'll they sign a couple other guys that are wide receivers they've got a line they've got a running back just get a quarterback to make it work yeah the defense is coming into its own but i hate antonio brown now did they lose vance mcdonald too I, I mean, so. he wasn't a huge part, but... He was a decent part. Yeah. Not good tight end. Yeah, but Antonio Brown, he just seems like a guy that's... Like, no one says, like, hey, you're being an asshole. I bet they do, like, but I bet nobody... he likes it. Well, that could be it, too. But His image has definitely taken a hit over the last two or three days. Because he say... wasn't like that before. Yeah, like, during the actual split, he, I mean, he obviously came off as a bit of a diva, but, I mean... He came off as kind of par for the course as far as wide receivers are concerned. It was like going back to like Keyshawn Johnson yeah. back in the day. I mean, just you know, kind of or uh, Randy Moss or T.O. or something like that. Something that kind of shocked people back in the day, but doesn't really move the needle much anymore. People are just like, oh, okay, he's just getting his money. But uh, the last few days, he has seemed a lot more petty about it. Mm-hmm. 
and I think he's kind of hurt his image a little bit. But he's got a little Kevin Durant. Yeah, in the NFL. True. Hate him. He got paid too. Yeah, it's whatever. So something on Twitter the recent, the most recent day or two, uh, at Texas Takeover, I think zero five. They decided to try to go in on Lincoln Riley, which I thought was really interesting. They said Lincoln Riley, and then they said he blew a thirty-one to fourteen lead against Georgia, was down forty-five to twenty-four in the fourth quarter against Texas, ended up losing. Like that's not what's expected to happen. Yeah, um, he could have won that game. Was down twenty-eight to nothing against Alabama, ended up losing, which you would expect that to happen. That's not weird. <laughs> Very inconsistent. Three examples in two years. The Gooners should be very worried. Can if Lincoln only, Riley coach a full 60 minutes? If there are only three examples in two years, that seems pretty decent Yeah, from an average perspective. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, those are three of the four games he's lost yeah. as a head coach. Yeah. That's, I mean... And they want to act like they didn't beat Texas that second time that year. Yeah, they conveniently forget that one a lot. They're like, oh, well, we have the golden hat. Well, we beat you in the one that mattered. That golden hat game proved inconsequential for Oklahoma in the grand scheme of things. But so, I mean, it's they, it probably helped them. Probably, yeah. Because yeah. you guys just canned Mike Stoops, the one yeah. thing that was holding OU back. Yeah. So. But they won a sugar bowl, so. We won a sugar bowl here, and then we lost to, let's see, Oklahoma State, Kansas State. Baylor, God. Uh, Clemson by a lot. The first year. <laughs> um, they lost to Clemson. There's a fifth row. one in that 2014 season. I'm TCU. TCU. Yeah. Lost five games the next year. Let's see how well that Sugar Bowl Fool's Gold works out for them. How good is Texas going to be next year? Probably the second best team in the Big 12. You think so? Yeah. I'm not sure. I'd, I'd go OU, Texas, Iowa State, Oklahoma State. I'd go Oklahoma State fourth. I think Oklahoma, you think Oklahoma State's, State's going to be up I think, there? Well, just by default, just because what's behind them is going to be very good. Like, West Virginia's not going to be good. I think TCU will have a decent shot. I think Baylor could be pretty good. Baylor's probably Baylor good. Baylor could be fourth or fifth, I think. But West Virginia's essentially out of the equation next year. Don't tell the West Virginia fans that. <laughs> I will tell specifically. I haven't heard much from. I haven't heard much from the dude lately. I don't know. He's been quiet. He goes on these little quiet streaks, and then he pops up again. Didn't did, remember that time that he talked like mad amounts of trash before Oklahoma disappeared for like Virginia. a month. It was 2016, and then, yeah, and before that snow game for yeah. a month, and then I was putting like all those FBI graphics and milk carton graphics of Have you seen this guy? <laughs> because he is nowhere. Then to be he found. comes back and he's like, Oh, I was just busy because I have a life. Yeah. And blah, blah, blah. Like, no, I was sick. I got deathly sick during that game. It I think was he cold said he out. had mono or yeah. something like that. Wasn't wasn't black lung? Yeah, because <laughs> he was like, because didn't I podcast with yeah, him the he was summer like, after? I have some sort of respiratory. He's like, yes, yeah, respiratory stuff. I grew. I see. I grew up with the with the stove, whatever in the house as heater, and we've had lung stuff, and it was like twenty degrees, <laughs> and you could hear him breathing. He was like <sighs> into the mic. So elementary school was in a coal mine. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like West Virginia in general. <laughs> God. Uh, but, like, West Virginia... They burn couches. That's cool, though. Yeah. I mean, I also burn my couch. I've heard Morgantown's really fun. I mean, they've got... Uh, I hear they're very hospitable with their beer on game days. Yeah, I've heard that, too. I it Apparently, like, it, it's a weird mix of people because, like, I think a quarter of the student body is from New Jersey... 
because I mean that New Jersey, if you think about it's it, right it's pretty yeah, close it's right to West Virginia. So I mean, you get a little bit of a Yankee mix in there. Ooh. Like it's uh, kind of an eclectic mix, kind of like it is at Florida State, like where you have like the North Florida kids and the South Florida kids there. <laughs> very different. It's a weird <laughs> mix. Yeah, very weird. Yeah. So like it's uh, it's basically the equivalent of that at West Virginia. So yeah. Gosh, that's Texas. Odd. Twitter is at least it's coming off as A and M Twitter. Yeah, very recently. It, it, I I, I was culty. saying a few weeks ago that Oklahoma or Texas fans are sort of turning into what Oklahoma State fans used to be and still are to a degree. It's there's a weird inferiority complex with them. Like I mean, because I mean that happens after a decade of being essentially Irrelevant. an OU shadow. I mean yeah. it's you know it's and that's why OU is down. Yeah, like OU was not good early. Uh, still winning ten games too. Yeah. Early this decade. Mm-mm, not at all. Oh, you still beat them in 2014. So. Yep. Yep. Gosh. Well, after Saturday or Friday, I guess now, there's no football. Um, the Alliance is dead. The XFL is not till next year. Um, We're going to be getting Canadian football here in, I think, June. So, yeah. So, what. Which I enjoy more than most people. What hobby, what should I start doing? To suffice for football, should I start like mowing lawns like every other person in the summer? Well, I would not encourage getting too emotionally invested in the Oklahoma City Thunder for one. <laughs> That's <laughs> always over, a bad bet. It'll be over in about a week. It, yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, not baseball. Yeah, not a baseball's big. fun in person. It really is. But if you're sitting here in Oklahoma, following a game on TV every day of the week. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't. I don't know how people consistently follow baseball in this state. I mean, unless you have like a serious rooting interest. You can follow Oklahoma like, softball, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. OU softball. OU baseball looks pretty decent. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Baseball teams should be pretty good next year. Baseball teams should yeah. be really Oklahoma good. Oklahoma softball right now, but like they're uh, real fun to watch. Yeah. OU softball is always good, but uh, and they deserve your support, listeners. Yeah. Oh, OU they, softball does. I was watching the game uh, at home the other day against Baylor, yeah. and they just sold that place. I mean, it's yeah. easy to sell something out here. The number it's expanding team. though here pretty and soon. So that that's what it you know they're it's still a small softball Ooh. stadium in comparison to like Alabama and places like that. So eventually it's going to. Uh, that's about a year out. Be, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same with baseball. Baseball is getting a bit of a renovation as well. I meant to ask you this the last podcast, but now I get to ask both you and Stephen about it. Um, and some people might say it's controversial, and some people might be unhappy about it, but I'm going to ask you anyways. <laughs> Is that a good idea? Oh, yeah, it's great. Bob Stoops and Patty Gasso were on the same campus at Oklahoma. For Patty Gasso's been there for a long time, too. Who deserves a statue more? Okay. Patty Gasso or Bob <laughs> Stoops? Okay. I've heard your take before, and you yours seemed more merit-based. Like, Patty Gasso has earned more in her sport. She has won three national championships. She's been more dominant in her sport than Bob Stoops has. Right. But think about what Bob Stoops and his arrival and the years following it meant to the University of Oklahoma. Right. Because didn't Patty win a national title in 2002? Two thousand. So her and both Bob, both her and Bob won one in two thousand. Yes, that was when Kelvin Sampson was at OU, yeah. and they went to like the Final Four the year after. Yeah, yeah, two thousand two, they went to the Final Four. But like, uh, I mean, did you ever go to Campus Corner before Bob Stoops got to OU? Uh, there were way fewer young, bars. So I, didn't, I wouldn't, make, I wouldn't remember. Like he, his emergence and the emergence of OU football, 
essentially revived Campus Corner and a lot of the economy in Norman. Hmm. And he enrollment went up at the University of Oklahoma. Applications went up. Because if you see donations went up. You see somebody winning. Patty Gasso doesn't have that kind of impact on the University of Oklahoma or the city of Norman. So you've kind of got to think big picture there with how much Bob Stoops meant to the university and the city of Norman and the state of Oklahoma. I mean let's just talk about university athletics. As like pure merit based like accomplishments, then that then it would be Patty Gasso, but I mean it, it it's you know, it's a complicated question. I, I mean, both of them deserve a statue. They're both going to have a yeah. statue. Patty Gasso's going to have a statue. She's the bomb. Like, I mean, like, she's going to she's gonna have a statue. She's still coaching. Bob Stoops isn't, so that... Well, Bob had a statue when he was still coaching. It was well, spotted statue, on I-35. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. Somebody put on a trailer. That was like in 2013 <laughs> or 12. Like, it's been around for a long like, time. They were putting a microphone in Bob's face. It's probably Hoover. Putting a microphone in front of Bob's <laughs> face. Like, so, uh... You have a statue? When, yeah, when's the statue going up? What are you talking about? It's not on I-35. There's no tarp over it. Bob's like, God damn it. It's like... <laughs> it's, <laughs> Who the hell was driving that? Yeah. I mean... On, and it wasn't like a fancy trailer or anything. No. This thing was like... It was just chilling on I-35, yeah. you know, just during like rush hour traffic or whatever. People were just like, oh shit, take a picture <laughs> with my phone. It's a bronze Bob uh, Stoops. That's, well, I'll be damned. That's Bob Stoops in the back of a truck right there. Like, <laughs> what the... I mean, a bronze fucking... St- like, how... <laughs> Thinking back, how absurd that was. I mean, just I think it was, I think it was Gabe Eichard who made that thing like viral or something yeah, like that. I think Gabe. it must have been like twenty fourteen or fifteen because he was, yeah, yeah, something like that. But like, uh, yeah, God, that was absurd. That was surreal. What do you think, Stephen? Do you think that who do you think between the Patty Gasso and Bob Stoops who deserves a statue more? I'll go Bob just because of his his influence on on the entire school. Yeah. Um, but if you're going just from a results standpoint, I think Patty's got to take the cake thing. Natty's for Patty. Yeah. Because I, and I think that's, I think citywide, statewide, Bob Stoops, I think he gets it because it's, the reason why people enroll in universities is interesting because you see Oklahoma win a national title and enrollment went up like, like yeah. not just like a percentage or two, like we're talking 20% enrollment went up like crazy. I mean, people give David Boren all the credit yeah. in the world for improving the university. He obviously deserves a lot of it, but Bob Stoops and the football program going up in stature, that every time that, that something like that happens at a university, enrollment goes up, and yeah. when that happens, uh, you're able to be more selective about who you take. Yeah. So, And you want to be associated with that, and it, that's, and it helps so donations, was, obviously. That, of so. course, of course. And then which they're looking for that right now. Absolutely, you yeah. get new blood in the program like Lincoln Riley, and then he's making it look real fancy and real cool. Yeah. And then they get more donors for that, and of course they're always accepting donations, uh, especially after Gallagher is going to shut down some more programs. So he went, "We need those <laughs> donations. <laughs> Why are all these buildings here?" <laughs> Wasn't that his first press conference? Something like that. So many buildings; they're unnecessary. Basically, it's crapped all over. Well, board. they cut off the tailgating area. On yeah, the, uh, the south side. They did. Yeah, that was. I mean, those were the like Gryffindor and Hufflepuff or whatever. Those little honors <laughs> colleges that David Bourne, his little master plan that is like at twenty percent capacity or whatever. Real smart, David. But uh, yeah, I, 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 okay. I've tested out this theory. I think it was with Eddie Radosevich and George Stoya, Tyler Palmatier, and every single one of them have enabled my conspiracy theory. Oh, God. I was thinking they were going to shoot me down, and they didn't. 
I think David Boren built those little honors nerd dorms on Lindsay Street because he wanted to kill tailgating on Lindsay Street because he think he thought that it like gave off a bad image of some sort. Yeah. He hated tailgating. I mean, he hated it. He thought that it made civil. Yeah, exactly. We lead the nation in National Merit Scholars. How yeah. dare we tailgate? So what do y'all think? Do you think there's a chance that that was even in the back of his mind? Maybe oh, yeah. not Maybe not the primary motivation, but maybe David there was Board something was there. David Board was so focused on how things looked. Yeah. That wouldn't surprise me at all because that's the reason why Mike Stoops wasn't gone earlier. That's a big reason why Josh Heupel's thing went down the way it did and why he was pissed off when Stoops dismissed him from staff. Yeah. Like... Uh, anytime I think about David Bourne is I think about optics and how he wants to be perceived and then until like he leaves and then you find out about the whole and I, I think in, yeah yeah exactly but uh, I think in a lot of ways his PR sense was good for the university in many yeah, ways no, definitely. like I thought I mean you can talk about the fairness of the whole SEC their SAE thing all you want but there's no denying that it was the only move you could make from a PR yeah. perspective and if you're those girls and in blackface and didn't hesitate at all he got rid of he nipped it in the bud right there and that's what that's what gallagher did with those girls in blackface right he was well no he didn't he didn't dismiss them he just talked to them and then they they decided to transfer on their own that was an odd deal but um gallagher i mean it's fairly common knowledge that he is not ou's president for the long haul He was brought in to balance the books. I think about Gladiator. And get out, essentially. The, the movie Gladiator with Maximus. Yeah. They're like, basically, yeah, the Senate's corrupt. Um, we need you as a general, as a third party that is not corrupt, just to go in there, clean house, make sure everything's all good, and then give it off to the next person. Exactly. That's essentially what he was brought in to do. I would put the over-under on years that James Gallagher is OE's president from this day forth. I would say... I put that over under at about two years. What do you think, Stephen? Uh, two two years? Yeah, I think it's a little bit over. A little over, okay. Just because of I think there's so much balancing you gotta do. But yeah. I think uh, I think he understands that the main revenue of the university is the football program. Yeah. So okay. he's not gonna do anything to hurt that. Yeah. Now it's gonna hamper renovations. Yeah. Like you're not gonna do anything to improve it. True. But as far as like tailgating, uh, making an enjoyable fan experience, I think he understands. I mean, that. he he brought. The beer thing into the fold right off the bat, essentially. Right, right. I mean, he's he did the pilot program, I guess, with basketball and baseball and softball, and there have been zero issues. I mean, it, it's and it's not necessarily a big revenue generator, but it's something that sort of increases the fan experience, like you were talking about. So it's uh, I'll give him five years. Yeah. Okay. I'll say if it was five years, I'd say under, but I'd be thinking four. You know. Okay. Somewhere in that time frame. Not very long, though. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's definitely not a long-term solution. That is... We're about an hour and a half now, so... Yeah. I mean, that's all, all I have. You guys have anything extra? Uh, I'm good. I think I'm good. Well, thank you to Steven for joining us from roughriders.com, which is very familiar with me. Uh, glad to have you on the podcast. Yeah, yeah thanks for coming here. on, Steven. I appreciate it. We're going to try to have Steven on. Oh, yeah, a regular. So yeah, he's a, regular a friend the of the pod. Yeah. yeah, he will be a regular on the pod. We will drink multiple beers and just have fun while we do that. But yeah, it's always good to have you on. And so, but 
like every time, follow us on crimsonandcreammachine.com. There's a story dropping like every day, guys. And there are several people like we, me and Jack have said on staff that really good writers that bring wonderful content that know a lot of things. Um, and some of them, like Alan Kenny, speak ever so eloquently. Yeah. Um, that's what happens when you have a degree from Northwestern. So In Villanova. In and George Villanova. Washington. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. But He's yeah. smart. So... Follow, follow everything on crimsonandcreammachine.com brought to you guys by, you know, SB Nation's affiliates. Uh, you guys can follow Jack at, at CC Machine or J. Larry Shields. You can follow me at BoomtownRW. You can follow Steven at OEUpdatedSB. Again, spring game is under the Friday Night Lights at 7 p.m. And then, if you're a nerd, throws on Sunday. Are you guys going to the game? Oh, I will not I be going. I will be there. There we go. So I'll be there too. Be there a little bit early, so if you want to. I'm planning on getting there at like two or three down in Norman. Maybe I'll uh, be there like four. Yeah, the scene. probably post up at the porch or something probably like a good that. Idea. That's a that's a very good establishment. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan Broyles. Ryan Broyles. Yeah. Bankrolled that. Yeah. There you go. But that's about it, guys. Take you guys later.